listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, everybody. So there's a little war in between the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock. They think you're a bunch of fuddy-duddies. And so help me out with some energy. Who's excited about FAQ today? Come on, somebody. Hey, welcome to the seventh part of our series, FAQ. And you know what's wild about the series is I don't feel like it's gotten old even yet, uh, even being in the seventh week of this, because we're answering questions that people have on their hearts and minds, and, and we want answers to them. How do we do this thing? What does this, what does this mean in the Bible? And we've taken our time and explained it to you. Um, you know, over the course of the series, some of these messages, they really wouldn't have fit in a normal series, so to speak. And others of uh, the questions that we've answered, they could have been whole series or books, volumes of books all together, and today is no exception. Today we're going to be answering the question, how do I raise kids in troubling times? You know, there's always been worldliness, there's always been sin, but you can't deny the fact that things have never been like they are today. It's never been more of a precarious problem raising a kid and trying to cover their eyes by what just comes on a commercial on TV or what's on a billboard in Grand Rapids. I mean, I thought Grand Rapids was New Jerusalem. Everybody, like, I can't believe it, you know? And, and so it's a little bit more of a challenge, I believe, today than in other times. However, I want to make it very clear, it's never been easy to raise kids. In the 2,000-some years since Jesus rose from the dead, and even with our Old Testament heritage, to try to be godly in an ungodly culture, it's been a challenge all through the ages. Even though things have really ramped up, and much of uh, what makes it difficult is the fact that communications have ramped up, that you can, you can just be on your phone and get into all kinds of trouble all by your lonesome and see things that, I mean, it took really a lot of effort to sin with even in the 90s. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? And so what we need to do is, is be the people of God that understand the times that we live in and also realize that in the midst of it all, there's never been an easy time. So God, you have a plan in the midst of it. I want to read for you uh, a passage that doesn't talk a lot about parenting at all but I really feel like it's a word for all of us here today. It's a word that I think is going to really strike the heart of those dads and moms in the room who know the battle that they're in. This is what Nehemiah chapter 4 says. He's fighting to uh, preserve the holy and eternal capital of the Jews, Jerusalem. This is what it says in Nehemiah 4. So I placed armed guards. Well, we could just pray and go home right after that, couldn't we? Praise the Lord. I like that verse. We, we placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. A lot of wisdom for Washington there. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to whatever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. 
This is the meat and potatoes. Everything else will undergird this, but write it down, gang. It's time for you, for all of us, to fight for our families. It's time to get our fight on a little bit. You need to stop being the limp-wristed, noodle-back Christian that lets everything just hit your loud. My bad, that's awful. No, get some fighting blood in you. It's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. You're not alone. God fights with you, and God fights for you. Here's what we have to understand. The prime attack in our generation is on the home. The devil is after the home. He's after the, the, the marriage, right? The husband who takes a wife and has kids. They're living in covenant. The enemy is after that. Why? It's the basic building block of society. No society has ever been able to last, have any staying power, without the family being a fixture in its culture. You look at ancient Rome, you look at the Mesopotamians, you look at the Egyptians, it is the family unit that holds it all together, and especially so for the children of God. The enemy cannot stop the church, but he wants to stop the family that is the building block of the church. And the home is this, this, this thing that, it's a structure actually that, it's the predecessor to the church. So the enemy, if he can get into the home and, and, and erode that and take that down, then he actually has a way to infiltrate the church itself. The devil hates the family. Let me make it personal. The devil hates you. The devil hates your spouse. The devil hates your kids. The devil wants to kill everybody that you know. And we have to be aware of that, have a mind about all of that. But then the question comes, Pastor Joe, you just said a lot of heavy things. Aren't you afraid to raise your kids in this day and age? You want my answer? No. I am not afraid to raise kids in this culture, in this day and age, and in this generation. No weapon formed against me will ever prosper. It may form. It may come against my family. But I'm telling you, there's a man of God that stands as a priest of his home that will be the doorkeeper. It's not going to happen. We'll take it down. Why? There's, there, there is a blessing that God has on the family like nothing else. My home is built on the rock of Jesus. And with all of those things being said, hear me. The devil... The enemy of your soul is going to try everything to come against you. He's going to try to undermine you, even if you do it in a godly way, every step of the way. And so, first service, they learned this is an intense message. There's some heavy parts to all of this. As I was talking to my wife about this last night, I was like, I feel like I need some more of my classic Pastor Joe funny stuff. I don't know. Let's, let's watch a Rodney Dangerfield movie or something. Get me in the mood. You know, I don't know. And she said, no, no, there's single moms and single dads that need this. There's married families that have no godly heritage that need this. It might be severe, but it's going to be oxygen to the church. And so help a brother out today as I preach this thing. You might not even agree with everything I'm saying. If you can't say amen, say oh me. So seven points. For the seventh part of FAQ, number one, how do I raise my kids in troubling times? Number one, take responsibility for training your kids. You know, people say, oh, man, my teenage son, he's crazy. i just given him over to the Lord. Lord doesn't want him back. He gave him to you. I just gave him over to the Lord. It doesn't work. It's a trap, okay? You have to take responsibility. But, you know, not to be hard on you, actually to have compassion, here's what I would say. A lot of people that get into the faith and they're like, I need to be a godly parent, but, you know, they've got a little history of not being or maybe they don't have a godly past, they don't feel qualified to say anything. 
They, they actually feel, because of the things they've done in their life, disqualified from telling their kids what's right and wrong. But listen to me, the qualifier for you to be a parent to your kids has nothing to do with who you are as a person. It has everything to do with who Jesus is as a person. That's what it's all about. You, you don't need to show your kids credentials, by the way. God, God is not expecting you to be perfect. He's expecting you to follow him as best as you can. And when you do that, I believe the grace of God will cover so much more. You know, for Kai and I, we're humble with the kids. Like, if I mess up, I mean, there was a couple weeks ago, I flew off the handle, and I barked at the kids, stank up the whole room with my ba 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 And I had to come back in and say, listen, guys, what you did wasn't right, but what I did in reaction, it was wrong. And Daddy sinned there. I asked that you'd forgive me. And that humility, I'm telling you, it buys change in your pocket like nothing else. When you show your kids how real you can be. I think you'd be surprised what the Bible says about it. This is what the book of Psalms says, Psalm 78. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. What, what is that talking about, uttering dark sayings of old? It's talking about you telling off on yourself that you weren't always saved, that you've messed up before. And let me, let me teach you about this. In fact, I like how it says that our fathers have told us. See, a real dad not, isn't going to just be birth dad. He's going to be a father. And he's going to tell you some of the things that aren't so popular about his past so he can help you. He says, we will not hide them from our children, telling them to the generation to come the praises of our Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. How are you going to tell how good God is if you don't tell how bad that you were and what you've been saved from? The wonderful praises of God are how far that you came. Verse 6, that the generation to come might know, right? The children who would be born, that they might arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God. You know, there was one time I was preparing our, our gift to be able to give in the tithe, and Rayo came up, and I don't know why, maybe it's because we watched DuckTales or something, but Rayo thinks coins are worth more than the paper money, and I'm fine with that for right now, but... Uh, <laughs> He saw me preparing everything, and he goes, Dad, that's a lot of money. And I said, son, let me tell you, it's the least I can do. He says, why, Dad? I said, your daddy wasn't always a good man. In fact, at one point, Aurelia, your daddy was a bad man. I was so far from God. And God, with a mighty hand, saved your daddy and mommy. And that's why we have the good life we do. In fact, I tell my kids that anything good that you love about dad, anything good that we have in our lives that you, that you love about mom and I, it comes from Jesus. And so that's where our praise needs to go. Now listen, as, as I told you that scripture, you need to take that as your permission slip to be real with your kids, to be honest. One caveat. I'm not saying that everything that you did in 1997 at the Orbit Room should be something <laughs> that you tell your kids. They don't need all the gory details. In fact, I'm sure they'd be happy if you spared them. <laughs> but I think that there's value in you being real. You know, when this part of the Bible was written, the Bible was not in wide circulation. It was written on parchment and tablets. And so God is actually putting a lot of stock in his people to open their mouths and talk about godly things. And so listen to me. you got to open your mouth you got to tell off on yourself. It also talked about that your children's children. So think of that in reverse. Think of your parents. If you come from a godly heritage, praise the Lord. Many people in western Michigan do. Talk about your grandmother and your grandfather and, and some of the big wins that they had in your life. Build faith inside your home. Write it down. 
Here's what I've learned. The enemy loves when parents delegate their parenting. That's the opposite of opening your mouth and sharing with them. It's the parent of the toddler that gives your kid who's three an iPad or sits him in front of Nick Jr. all day long, or, or you're trying to find the next distraction on your phone to put your nose into. You're delegating your parenting to someone else. They can't do what only the dad and mom can do. We're living in a time where so many people, they depend on the school, they depend on extracurricular activities, they depend on programs to raise their kids, and you delegate your parenting to a soccer coach. Now, I am notoriously hard on soccer, mainly because it's a game for wusses. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I had to say that because it was funny, but you know it is. So, um, <laughs> no, the reason why I'm not wild about soccer is because they have no respect for Sundays. They have no regard for it. And so if your kid's in soccer, I know that my niece is in soccer, and she'd kick my shins if I said that in front of her. And so I'm not, I'm not that hard on soccer. But listen to me. At the church that Kai and I were at before we ever launched New Chapel, there was a kid, he was a real hot shot. He was incredible at soccer, and he could do things that people had never seen. I mean, he was awesome, tall, lanky kid, had the body to do it. I mean, he could do wild things with his legs. And really, in a freak accident, some kid fell on his leg in just such a way it broke his leg, and it was a compound fracture. Well, this family had made soccer such a big deal. I mean, they were gone on the weekend. Sorry, it's soccer season. He was in extra clubs, traveling things. I mean, it was very intense. And soccer was all that they talked about and focused on. When the kid became a teenager, I mean, they didn't come to any things at the church with, with other people his age. They, they didn't keep his kid plugged into what God was doing in the life of the church with young people. And so when the kid broke his leg, it was a real, real hardship. But what was worse was it didn't heal properly. In fact, he started playing soccer again, and he wasn't very good at all. He went back into the doctor and says, is there anything you can do to adjust this? The doctor said, you'll never be the same again. That's just the truth. The way that it broke, it's not going to happen. And so this, this boy's mother wrote a letter to the pastor of the church that we were at and said, Pastor, keep on preaching this because we made soccer our God. And now my son is depressed, suicidal even, because he can't do soccer. And we have no foundation of church, the things of God in our life. It was all about that. Keep preaching this stuff. Guys, I'm going to tell you, you've got to get plugged into this place. We're trying the best we can to help you. Now, I want to talk about school for a second. If you have kids that go to public schools, I understand um, one thing I want to say is thank you to the public school teachers that love their kids. They're godly people. You're praying for them, obviously, when nobody's looking because the pressure's on, isn't it? People are all over you. And you make one little slip up, and what happens? CNN helicopters are going to be flying over your house that night because they're all about making peace, you know? And so, so I just I want to say thank you to the public school teachers. But I'm going to tell you, public school's changed. It's a war in there for those teachers who are godly to try to do this. And really, there are a remnant there that are trying to have some influence on their kids. And there are good public schools and bad ones. I went to one up north at my hometown, and it was like a Norman Rockwell school. I mean, it really was a wholesome experience, really, altogether. I mean, I, mean, I got spanked at school. Like, what? What's going on there? You know? And so, like, it was... But everybody was looking out for everybody else. You know what I'm talking about? Jack Lawn spanked my butt. Like, third week... You know what I'm talking Jack Lawn? Okay. Nuego people. <laughs> but listen to me, parents of, of students that are in school. 
your department of education will allow your children to abort your grandchildren, to take hormone blockers that will block them from puberty and have permanent effects on their life, well-being, and sexual identity. Your department of education will allow your children to mutilate their own bodies without your consent or even your knowledge. It's a war. Some schools are better, some schools are worse, but all it takes is one kid that he's entitled to all of his rights, and it just it pickles the whole thing, and it is a war. So if you have kids in public schools, number one, why don't you go up and tip your teacher that's godly, give her a $100 bill, amen? Slip her 100 be like, keep doing whatever you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as a colloquialism, but like support them. Get to know them by name. Get their cell phone number. You know what I'm talking about? Become Facebook friends. Show up at the school board meetings. If you have any ounce of leadership in you, get on the school board as soon as you possibly can and reject the propaganda that they're calling curriculum. Yep. It is a war, and you need to do everything you can to get engaged and let everybody know, not my neighborhood. My neighborhood's not going down. This school isn't going down that, that path. These enlightened people that will say aren't as bright as they think they are, and it's not happening on my turf. Home field advantage. Uh, it's my ball. It's my pit. Throw the pitch again, right? Like, this is mine. And you got to have a little attitude with it. I didn't even mention this story. It's not in my notes. didn't say it for service. But there was a lady that came by when we were living at our apartments in Tulsa. And we lived in, in these apartments. We were just married. And she came by, and she was Jehovah's Witness. And she knocked on the door, and she wanted to tell me everything else like that. And, and Kai was gone. She worked at the Renaissance Hotel. I was all alone. I had nothing else to do. This is going to be fun. And so I went and put my shoes on and followed her around to every other apartment. And she, she knocked on the door and tried to do it. And I brought my Bible with me. I said, I can show you in the Word of God where she's wrong. This is a cult. It's all wrong what they're doing. They're going to they're gonna lead you down a path you don't want to go. You're like, Pastor Joe, you're severe. You have no idea. <laughs> she left and never came back again. She tried to leave all that paperwork. I picked up the paperwork at everybody's doorstep that wasn't home. I took it. You stole all that? Lord, yes, I stole it all. That's all demonic stuff. I'm not going to have it. You need to be just as tenacious with your school. You know, oftentimes, the reason why our schools go down is because the squeaky wheel gets oiled. If that's their philosophy, you ought to get squeaky. You got to get the other Christians. And you know what? Stop getting all like, okay, well, we're at the Baptists and we're the... No, get all the Christian families together and be like, uh, look, we don't agree on everything, but we agree on this. This is crazy. And we have to do something. Hallelujah. I got to move off that one or I'm going to preach about schools for the rest of the day. Dads, while I'm on a roll, don't let anyone else set the spiritual climate for your home. Your wife is looking for you to do it. And you are the one that needs to do it. Moving on, we're living in a time where even though uh, people might avoid certain things, pitfalls in, in culture, they end up relying on just the church for the spiritual development of their kids. And I want to talk to those of you that are, you're trying to do it the right way. You can't resign the spiritual growth of your kids just to us. Now, there are only two institutions in the Bible ordained by God to train kids, and you can read it. It's the church and parents. However, I get them for an hour. I mean, we do everything that we can. I mean, we try to pump them full of the word. And I tell you, they know things that I never knew with my little felt board down in some musky basement, you know. But, but 
They know great things, but it's only an hour. It's going to take you at home. That's why we have the parent queue. If you don't know what that is, ask one of the kids' workers. They'll get you one. It's free every single week. It tells you what we learned and how to redeem time while you're doing drive time in the car, going to bed at night, things like that, and be able to talk to them about what we talked about at, at church. If you don't have a strategy and a plan in place of what you're going to do, you ought to just do what we're doing, and then you can be on the same page with other families in the church. It's, it's a big deal. But what I want you to see is this. You can't resign all of that and delegate that to us. It's on you, buddy. you got to do it. And so we need to be people that open our mouths about what's happening. Psalm 78, verse 2. I will open my mouth that they may set their hope in God. If you don't get loud about it, it's not going to happen. You've got to talk to your kids and train them. More about that in a second. Now, a great resource for this is a book called God's True Law, A Parent's Guide to Raising Successful Children. It's a great book, and it was written by a local chiropractic doctor uh, near the Kalamazoo era. His name is uh, Garrett Soldano, and I would recommend anything that he says. Number two, how do we raise kids in troubling times? Number two... Commit to God's way. Commit to God's way. We're not in this game of raising kids without recourse, but what we have to do as parents is let God in to what we're doing. This is what the Bible says in Philemon chapter 1, the guy with the worst name in the Bible. To Philemon, our beloved brother. Is that kind of like being like special friend? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. To Philemon, our beloved friend, and to the church in your house. He was actually a man of God, very stable, to the church in your house. Now, this is talking about small groups. It's talking about having groups meet in your house, doing Bible studies, things like that. But it's also talking about a church in your house. In other words, letting the things of God in your house. In the Old Testament, there's a story about Ahab and Jezebel. And these characters, they had a total of, if you include their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, there was 70 in their lineage. But Ahab and Jezebel were ungodly people. They really were. And the way that they approached the things of God with, with no respect, they, they just were outright and blatant sin with the things of God. And consequently, much in their lineage, in their legacy, died young, died prematurely. And, and those people ended up going on. And there was no godly legacy. There was no room for God in their home. And so therefore, there was no fruit in all of it. Now, ironically, in the Old Testament, there's another person who has, if you total up his children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, 70 in his lineage. And his name is Obed-Edom. Now, that's a name you should name your kid. I'm just telling you. <laughs> This guy was solid. In fact, let's all just say it because it's fun. We all want to. One, two, three. Obed-Edom. You learn something new every day. Okay. This guy was a godly person. And I want you to picture for a second, he looked exactly like Harrison Ford. And I'll tell you why. Because the Ark of the Covenant was being challenged and it was being threatened to take, be taken away into ungodly territory. In Obed-Edom, he got the Ark of the Covenant. My man. He takes it back to his house. God permits it. The Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence on earth, stayed in Obed-Edom's house for three months. Now, 
That is symbolic, but it really was showing that this man of God, he actually already had the presence of God in his home, and after the ark left, there was the presence of God in his home, and the proof is in the pudding. Out of his lineage, his legacy, you have all kinds of prophets and preachers that, that came up, a godly legacy for generations after his own. Why? Because he allowed the church to be in his house as well as something that they did when they went to temple, or in our case, go to the church house. Now, this is what the Bible says that we're supposed to do. This is what having church in your house looks like. Proverbs 22. Train, and I put it in all caps so you get it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, it says train. It doesn't say bark at your kids. It doesn't say confront them with the truth all the time and just, here's the truth, here's the truth. And just, you know, as a pastor, you know, we feed the sheep every week. We shear them like once or twice a year, you know. How much are you shearing your sheep, you know? And, and, and you got to give them truth. This is true. But you, you need to do it in a relational way and train them. You can't expect your kid when you tell them to do something once that they're going to do it perfectly. And they might fail. They'll probably fail first time on many things. You go up and you show them how to do it right. And then they start doing it right. And you got to tell them not to get cocky about it. I mean, relax. It isn't that big of a deal, you know? And so it's training. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of follow-up. It's easy to bark the truth at your kids and be right. But you're not doing it right. And so you need to train, get ground level. Let that church be in your house. And so God's way, write it down, God's way is for you to be a person that trains your kids and allows that presence of God in your everyday life. You want to know kind of the heavy thing? If your kids wake up in the morning on Sundays and they say, Mom, are we going to church today? You are training your kids. I'm just going to let that sit there for a second because it's not like, it's not benign. You are training them. I just wonder if you're taking them on this godly journey. Because God has great things for your family. Number three, how do we raise kids in troubling times? We need to teach our kids to know God. Not just know about him. The country church that I talk about when I was a kid, I knew about God. I even think I was saved, honestly. Because I, I prayed the prayer. I, I accepted Jesus as my Lord, right? As much as I think I could understand at a young age. But really, I didn't know him. I just knew he was right. Right? That resonated with my heart. I knew Je Jesus is Lord. And hell's hot, okay? Those two things, I'm good. It, it's him. It's not another. But I didn't know him in a personal way. They tried to institute training people to know God in the Old Testament. It didn't work out as well. That's why Jesus came. But I'm going to read for you uh, the crown scripture on this. For the first several chapters of Deuteronomy, they're trying to train uh, these people in the commandments. That's the Ten Commandments and, and other things about how to be godly. This is what it says after all of that in Deuteronomy 6. Now, this is the commandment. These are the statutes and judgments which the Lord has commanded, that you may observe them, you, your son, can I say your children, your grandsons, your grandchildren, all the days of all your lives. What is that, what is that trying to convey? Commandment is something that's very black and white in Scripture, right? Like, so thou shalt not steal. Simple. There's like no explanation that's needed. But then there's things, and a lot of Deuteronomy has it, a lot of the Bible has it, where it's a statute. In other words, it's something that it needs a little bit of explanation with it. Sometimes it's paired with explanation, and it does the best thing. It gives you the why, like this is why we don't want you to do that. But then he talked about judgments. There's a third thing. Now, judgments implies that there's two opposing forces or two opposing parties. 
Similar to a courtroom, you'd have a, a plaintiff and a defendant, right? What do you need? A judge, somebody with a personal touch who doesn't just have wisdom. He doesn't just have knowledge of commandments or wisdom in understanding uh, the, the statutes. He has discernment, something completely different. And he's going to add this personal touch and make a judgment about this. Judgment implies something personal. Now, those three things are very true. I want to show you how this applies to raising kids. I'm going to make it very easy because I'm a preacher. I'm going to use alliteration. Write down the first one. It is the precept level. Okay, the precept level is God, God's word says whatever. Thou shalt not steal, honor thy father and mother, you know, whatever it is. The precept level is best when you're raising toddlers and younger. So Franco, uh, my youngest son, he, uh, he's in a little bit of a rebel without a cause phase, just trying to test boundaries, you know, don't touch that. And he goes, well, he's looking at you, you know, that's a lot, okay? When everybody else is doing their thing as well, that's a lot. And so there's times where I have to be like, okay, Franco, come over here. You disobeyed dad. He just, he wilts. And Franco's, he's different than the rest of the kids. He's got this curly mop of hair and the sincere eyes. I have no idea how so much liquid can go underneath his eyes without him even crying yet. And he's just crying. His little lip comes up. You don't even want to correct him at that point. He's so cute, you know. But, and what you have to say is, now, Franco, you disobeyed daddy. And the Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. You disobeyed, didn't you? Yeah. You know, and, and he's so cute. Like he doesn't sob like like Jack milks it. Jack sobs. Okay. Franco does the silent cry. And he just looks like a picture of a sad kid. You know. And so when I correct Franco, all I have to say is, "Now the Bible says, oh, no." You know. And so we'll pray, and he repeats after me. We deal with the whole thing, but. The idea with that is that I'm showing him on a precept level. The Bible says it. And I'm going to tell you, with young kids, it's good enough. We don't do it because the Bible says. But Aurelio, he's five. He's going to be six this October. It's starting not to be so good, satisfactory. The Bible says it. Great. Why? And where I was growing up, that just meant go cut a switch. You know, like it was said, why? You know, that generation didn't even talk to kids like that. And so, um, don't cut a switch. But, but as far as, <laughs> you should give your kids a deeper understanding of what you mean, of what the Bible means. I would say you owe it to them. As they become more intelligent, you need to tell them why this is. So you got to go from, from the amateur level of, of it just being a precept to the principle, which is God's word says this because... And you fill in the blank. So, for example, God's word uh, says you can't commit adultery. Well, what does that say? It says that God wants you to be pure. It says really actually something about God that he's pure, that he's not going to change on you. He's not going to change his mind. The Bible says in him there's no darkness, no shadow of turning. It tells you a little bit about who, he's, who he is. He's not moody. I mean, God's not going to say, listen, we had a bad offering and low attendance on Sunday. Cancer. You know, he's not moody. He's also not moody like, look, we, we passed the plate. We did all right. We made budget. And so listen, blessing, you know, I mean, he's not impulsive. So the fact that he talks about adultery tells you something about him. And what I want you to see is this, is that the principle leads to the third level, which is the person. 
Precept is commandment. Principle tells you the why behind the what. Ultimately, it points to who. And who is it? It's pointing them to know God. So we're not to steal, right? Why don't we steal? Well, when they're young, you just you don't do it. But the next level, the next layer of the onion of that would be, well, you don't steal because it's not fair to the other person. So there's a why. But then how about this? It tells you something about God. You don't steal because God would never steal from you. God would never steal. That's not who he is. You see, son, God has a character you can learn. Well, the Lord took my baby. No, he didn't. John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If God's going to tell you not to steal, but he's going to steal your baby, then that's not fair. That's being a hypocrite. And listen to me, God is no hypocrite. Amen, somebody? And so I could preach on this. Again, it could be a whole series in itself, this concept of, of, of precept, principle, and person. But there's a whole book written about it. It's by Josh McDowell. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's a heavy book. It's pretty thick, but it's worth the investment in your kids. You should get it. And it's called Set Free to Choose Right. Set Free to Choose Right. See, your kids, from the moment they leave their mama, they are on a journey towards independence. And you can help them so that by the time they graduate from high school, in their teenage years, some of them younger, some of them older, they'll know God. And that's what you're trying to do is broker that relationship, not sin management. Okay, I got to move on. Number four, how do we raise kids in troubling times? Guard what influences your kids. We need to know what our kids are exposed to. And we as parents are called to create a place of protection for them. Oh, Pastor Joe, all you want to do is you want to create a bubble. Precisely. Dead on. I want to I raise my kids in a bubble. You articulated it so clearly. Well, don't you want your kids to go to school and be a witness? Lord, no. If they lead somebody to the Lord before they're 18, hallelujah. But I'd rather them make it to 18 and love Jesus and not go through some of the stupid things I did. Anybody else want to shame the devil and tell the truth? I mean, how much heartache did you cause yourself that we can have them avoid in their life? So we need to create a safe place. Now, I'm going to tell you what my standard is, and I think it's right. Do you say anything that you don't think is right? Well, sometimes I do. I think, just ask Kai. Maybe she should tell you that I say the things that aren't right. But here's what I'm saying. It's, it's a heavy standard. I'm not saying that this is Bible. I'm just saying it's serious. So here's my standard, right? I'm talking about guarding what influences our kids. No phones with a screen on it before they're 18. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm going to tell you why. You're like, well, you don't want them to look at anything racy, look at any porno, okay? If that's not enough, if that's not enough, when I was in fourth grade, I remember we got a, a desktop computer. Dad called us all together, and he said, we got a Hewlett Packard, kids. <laughs> and we'd plug it in, and I'm telling you, you young people have no idea what it's like to go, and all of a sudden it would stop connection. Jamie, get off the phone. I hate you. <laughs> Dial up internet. But in fourth grade, I went on that computer and I saw a whole website about faces of death. 
You want your fourth grader to see it? That was in 1990-whatever. Now you let your kid go into their room with a phone that has more power than that computer ever had on it, has more connectivity. Well, we have software on it. All of that. By the way, all your kids are hackers. They're all hackers. Everybody hacks now. And you don't know. And they're going to tell you what they can hack. <laughs> so what's our standard? None of it. Do you remember when you talked yourself into a phone and you said, it's only for emergencies? When did that ever happen, you know? They don't need a phone. They don't need a phone. If they need one, we decide it. They get to be like Emma's age. We'll get them a jitterbug. Jitterbug. You know, it's got buttons. Remember those? Okay. Quiet. Here's the reason why. I heard a quote that really impacted my life. Maybe it'll impact yours. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. There's a good quote. Those are the words of Jesus Christ in St. Matthew 18. I'm not saying you need to be a prude. I am saying that there are things that you can do and have a strategy with that can guard your kids' hearts from some of the junk that's out there in society today. Why are all the teenagers have their heads so low right now? I have no idea. I'll move on. Here's another one. Here's another standard that Kai and I have. I'm not putting it on you. It's what we do. We don't allow our kids to stay the night at anybody's house. One caveat, family here and there, but not all the time. I'll let them have kids over, friends over, but I'm, I'm not doing that because it was in between the bus and staying over at people's house that I think I learned every evil thing that I've ever learned. And so we're not going to do that. It's not going to be part of what we do. And so th those are challenges, right? Because it'd be easier to just get them out. You know what? Just don't have them if you're going to let them be exposed to junk like that. It's a lot of responsibility and weight. And, and I'm not saying that they need to be immune from any hardship. I'll talk about that in a second. But they, they need to not face some of the temptations and sins that some of us in the room did. And can you imagine what your life would be if that wasn't haunting you to this day? Some of those images inside of all of our eyes. So what are you saying, Pastor Joe? I'm going to get back to a principle. Write it down. Stick with standards. Write them down. If you don't have your standards written down, you don't have standards yet. Yikes. Number five, moving on. How to, how to raise kids in troubling times. Number five, correct your children for what they did wrong. Correct them. Now, Kai and I, when we were single, uh, meaning, you know, before we got married and then after we got married, we decided how we were going to parent our kids. And we had incredible teaching from our pastor, Willie George, and, and we decided way before, years before we ever had kids, how we were going to do it. And the, the verse that we found in the Bible concept is to parent with mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. So uh, Proverbs 3 says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So in other words, even people in the world are going to see this method and they're going to be like, there's something to that. And here's what it is, mercy and truth. You're going to be merciful and gracious and loving. You're going to love your kids and get all the ooey gooeys. I love you so much. You know, come here, schmoo. You know, all of that. But on the other end, there's going to be truth. There's going to be discipline in the home. There's going to be an expectation on you to do a certain amount around here. And that's a good thing. Now, I see parents more often than not today, and it wasn't so much like this when I was a kid, but it was there, where they are all mercy with their kids. They're all the lovey-doveys. They're all, just, let me just, I put essential oils on your pillow. You know, I mean, just, it's like, oh, 
so much more steps today than there was before, you know? I was happy if we had a sheet with those awful wool blankets they gave us. Oh, where did they buy those? Kmart, over by the Alpine Twin, dating myself. Moving on. Okay, here's what I'm saying. Is the parents that are all mercy, 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 lovey, 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 and there's no consequence, there's no discipline, you are not doing your kids any favor. And I talk to parents like this who are having problems with their kids that they think came out of the blue, and I'm thinking, you should have saw that semi coming down the road. It was coming right at you. And some of them grew up in homes where their parents were too hard on them. And so they react to their parenting and they go totally soft. They don't go to the middle of the road and have mercy and truth, some balance in their parenting. There's some that uh, they were, they were parented too soft and they were the object of their parents' worship. And so they worship their own kids. Uh, conversely, there's also that just they accepted Christ. They just don't have a godly example. For Kai and I, we had some examples, but really not. And so we had to get into the word for ourselves. I think it was the most healthy thing for us to try to find what does the Bible actually say and not just the mannerism of what other people are doing. But here's the point to all of that. When we fail to balance both love and discipline as parents, we're failing our kids. Go ahead and throw that slide up there, guys. When we fail to do that, when we don't just, we need to love our kids, but we need to discipline them. And when we don't do both, you're letting them down in a huge way. I'll tell you, Kai and I have a front row to somebody who's living this right now. This person's a 20-something now, but they've been coddled their entire life. It, it, they were the object of their parents' worship and esteem. It's all their parents thought about was their kid. And there's an element of love there. I'm not saying that there isn't, but there was no truth. There was no gravity to the relationship. There, there was no trust where the parent could say something and the kid could be like, all right, I'll do it because I love you. There was only love when everything was good and ooey and gooey. And so consequently, this person can't hold down a job. They're totally narcissistic, thinks everything's about them. They're a person that has shut off relationships in their life, and, and they're remedial for their age, all because their parents made them the focus of everything. Well, my kids come first. My kids do not come first. Jesus Christ comes first in my home, and then Erechiah, Faith, Bevilacqua comes second, and then I have certain kids I like more than the others. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Some of you do. That's another sermon. <laughs> it rotates, but... <laughs> Hear me now. Don't put your kids first. Put them in order and have discipline in your home. I think about Job in the Bible. Job said at the end of the book of Job, the thing I greatly feared came on me. And if you read about what he was doing at the beginning, the Bible says that Job was making sacrifices for his adult children. Well, making sacrifices is godly. For adult kids, it doesn't work. You can't wape your kid's butt into their 30s. Knock it, you're doing them no favors. I'm going to tell you something about that. Job lost his family because of his fear in his life. And if you really do some examination, some of what you're doing is out of an, undue, an unmet fear. You haven't dealt with it. It's a fear of losing your kid, and, and the devil will give you the most heinous images come to your mind. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about? The most awful car accidents and a meteorite falling on their school. I mean, anything, irrational things. And because you have this, this chip on your shoulder, you end up doing too much for your children. And you weren't raised by that necessarily, depending who we're talking about. We need to have some gravity in the relationship and have some discipline. And that to say, especially with younger kids, I'm talking about a spanking. 
My gosh, Pastor Joe, I can't believe you're talking about, well, turn, rubs the cat the wrong way, turn it around. Because it's biblical and it's godly to do. And if we had more spankings on some of the people that run these news programs, I think we'd all be a happier nation. Amen. And if y'all don't act right, I'm going to send Christian. He might spank all y'all. <laughs> Since we're carrying adolescence into adulthood, let's keep the game going. Okay. I'm talking about a spanking, and it's a godly thing. It's a positive thing. Pastor Joe, I don't want anything to do with that. I think it's abusive. I think it's hateful to do something. I could never be hateful like that. You couldn't? You set me up so well in these messages. Proverbs 13. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Diligent. You're on it. You're on it. Don't, let, don't keep short accounts. Don't keep them in fear like, hey, I did something bad last week. I think Dad's going to come beat me here. No, diligently. You're on it. But don't spare it. 1 Timothy 3, 4, be one who manages his own household well, keeping children under control with all dignity. You know, to those of us that are parenting our kids, when we go into a restaurant, your kids are acting a fool all over the place, acting wild. There is no dignity to how that meal is going for you. And it says a lot about you. Now, I'm going to sympathize with you because I got kids that are nuts too, you know, but like for real, keep it in all dignity. Proverbs 23, do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. Does anybody else know why it's there in the Bible? I'm going to tell you why. It's all there for Jack. You get ready to spank Jack. Oh, my God, you're going to kill me. Ah! The Bible is telling you that, Mom, because he's going to freak you out and make it so you're like, oh, my God, maybe I would hurt him. I don't want to hurt him. And so you end up going patty cake, patty cake. And believe me, he just stretched those sweet cheeks right back to his room when he's done. He ain't going to die. <laughs> Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your son while there's hope and do not desire his death. Oh, there's gravity to this. This is an optional thing. Oh, Pastor Joe, but it just feels so hateful. There's the problem, isn't it? We can't get past your feels to do what the Word of God says to raise a generation. Yeah. Got to do something we got to take our young people back. The world wants your family. It wants to kill everybody that you know. What are you going to do about it? And, and, and listen, when you do the word, you don't have to feel any which way about it. You can feel completely empty on the inside. Still do it. The fruit of it will come on the other end. The best day of my mother's life is the day that my grandparents died, her parents. Why? She was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and she had two enablers that loved her. But it was all mercy and mercy. And sometimes some of you good godly people in the room, you see things go through, people go through hard things, and it just, it's heart-wrenching for you. And so you want to give and give. And what happens is it, you give no thought to yourself because you're, you're a giver by nature. But you don't take thought to the fact that that might be toxic to that person. When they died, her enablers died, what happened? A couple years later, and all of a sudden, it was a come to Jesus. By the grace of God, we have a relationship with our mother. I can't believe it. I mean, if you knew the childhood that I had and the fact that I hug her neck and kiss her and feel love in my heart towards her, it's unbelievable. That's the grace of God. But here's what I want you to see about my story. How my grandparents parented, right? How you parent will affect your grandchildren. 
If the Lord tarries, and some of you with young kids, you need to look at them and look at them as your legacy, as your heir, and that they will produce heirs after them. How are they going to act? Is it going to be in a godly way? We can't just let them figure this all out for themselves. And so what are we going to do? You're going to spank your kids. Now, I did this first service. It's not my notes, but I want to take the time to do it. I want to tell you how to spank your kids because I don't want any abuse in my church. You hear me? Because tell you what, pastoral care for a bad kid that's acting naughty, there's no bad kids, but a kid that's acting naughty and has behavioral issues, and on the other side, a parent that abuses them, I'll go find the parent that abuses them. <laughs> I'm from the North Country, everybody. We take care of our own. <laughs> Why did I just make a fist? Okay. Grace, 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 grace. Okay. Here's how you do it. One of your kids does something that they know that they weren't supposed to do. You say, come over here. Here's what you don't do. You don't go in there, my gosh, what's wrong with him? I told you not to do it. You go out there and they're like, oh my gosh, don't make him mad. You don't do this with a whole bunch of passion and emotion. You do it because it's the standard. So you say, okay, come over here. So if it's my son Aurelio, I'll take him aside and say, son, I told you not to do that and you did it. The Bible says, children, obey your parents to the Lord for it's right. You disobeyed me, didn't you? Yes, sir. I make my kids say, sir, you don't have to do that. It's just the right way to do it. Anyway, yes, sir. I'm as country as cornbread, and I think it's right. Yes, sir. I said, you know what that means? Yes, sir. He'll bend over if he got it. Now, there's sometimes where I've got to go through the whole thing with Jack. Sometimes, you know, he'll be screaming. Sometimes with Aurelia, he's a trial lawyer, okay? No, now listen, let me just tell you, Dad. I, I, want, I want to just let me explain this to you. Oh, my land. Anybody else got trial lawyers in their house? <laughs> and so if they get it, we bring him to the spot of understanding, and then he'll bend over. Now, here's what we do. We try to use a rod. If you use your hand, hand you want to be for, for uh, nurture and love and things like that, it's not completely wrong to use your hand, but the best is to have a rod. So we have a little rod. I wish I would have remembered to have you bring it, but it has a scripture on it. It has that proverb scripture right on it. And, and so we go down. Now, you put your hand right above where the good Lord split that boy. Okay? And that just reveals the area where you're going to go for because that little round area has a lot of nerve endings, but you're not going to do a lot of damage, okay? You, you, if you do it right, there's no damage, okay? There's just a lot of feels. So with everything there, you spank. Now, don't go like this. That's scary, okay? You spank them. I'm, I spank my kids, and I wait. I want the blood to go back in that cute little keister so they feel the next one. I let the blood go back in. Now, you say, Pastor Joe, you want it to hurt. Yeah, it's a spanking. It's like when people get all upset about war. Oh, they're at war and they're breaking buildings and killing people. War is to kill people and break buildings, right? Spanking is to bring a little bit of pain. You want them to feel the pain in a controlled way so they don't feel the pain out there in the world. Okay? Now, also, it's showing you're dispassionate. You're not upset and angry and doing this. Don't punish your kids. Train them. Correct the behavior. Don't punish the kid. Make sense? And so when the spanking's done, if they're crying, I'll pull up their pants and let them sit down and let them cry, and I'll leave the room. Don't tell your kids they can't cry. Let them cry, okay? When you go back after they've cried, say, all right, you want to go make it right? And my kids know what that means. We're going to pray. And so with Aurelia, we'll get down on our knees, both of us, and he still repeats after me, but he's this close to being able to just do it by himself and take care of business with God. He's five. 
with the other ones. I just hold their hand, and, you know, Franco's doing one of these things. He, he's kind of Pentecostal when it comes to prayer. He's just, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's amen, you know. And so I think that's part of the Russian Orthodox or something like that. I don't know, but here's the idea, guys. You can spank, and then when it's done, it's done. Don't act angry. You might be so angry. There's been times I've been like, Kai, why don't you spend time with the kids? i got to go recover, you know, because I'm still so upset. But you can't do that because God doesn't do that to you. And so that is a spanking. The spanking is not the hits. The spanking is that whole process, and it takes a long time, and it's a lot of work, and it's a pain in the rear end for him and for you. But it'll pay you back. And pretty soon the workload goes down, down, down. It's amazing. Write it down. Let's side with timeless and tested versus popular and easy. The world wants to tell you how to parent your kids. Let me just tell you something. They don't know how to do anything. Why would you listen to them on this? Trust God's word. It's timeless. And if you do it right, you're not going to do damage on your kids. You'll give them a spank and they'll learn. Number six, moving on. Don't raise boys and girls. Raise men and women. Stop raising boys and girls, please. Because then what happens is when you send them off to college, they're still boys and girls. When they get married, they don't approach their spouse with any gravity for the covenant. They're boys and girls. Raise men and women. And if it's only New Chapel, we're fixing to bring positive Christian masculinity back into vogue in this area. We need men of God. Amen, somebody? We need men of God to help lead this church. We need men of God to lead our homes. We need men of God with a steady hand like the Lord helping to lead our young people. And so teach your child to be responsible, to accept responsibility. Don't cover for their mistakes. If they steal something from the dime store, lean into it. It'll be the best thing for them. And reward character over talent 10 times out of 10. Character over talent. From birth to 18 years old, you're trying to get them to be the most independent, God-dependent people that they possibly can be. That's the whole goal. Now, to do that, one of the methods that Kai and I use, write it down, parent by addition, not just subtraction. So some of you godly parents, you, you, you are trying to raise your kids in a godly way, but you have to say no to so many things, you're going to have to get ahead of this thing and find out what they're interested in. So you're not just saying, no, you can't stay the night over at their house. You do like we do. Have them all stay over at our house, and I'll spring for pizza. I'll buy a movie on Apple TV. Y'all can watch it here and enjoy. And I'm going to tell you, it will cost you. But pizza is cheap. Divorce court is very expensive. I'm telling you, having those kids over and it's all crazy, you might have to make a little apartment in the garage or something like that to handle it all. If you have the type of friends that, you know, it's it's insane what happened. But you better have them on your turf. And so Kai and I make it on our turf. So we don't just say no. We say no to this yes to this way more fun thing. And Christians, listen to me. You need to have more fun. I get it. The world is just in decay right now. And for some of us, it just makes us wilt and turn inward. And we're kind of like, okay, we're just going to make our world small. No, man, don't let them make you wilt. You be big and have fun and laugh and enjoy your life. Don't let the world say that junk about you. You you keep your head up high and enjoy your life and teach your kids how to have wholesome fun, real fun, enjoy their lives. That They don't have to do it in other ways. Amen, somebody? Now, don't make God the heavy. You can't do this, but you can do this. So that's not making God heavy. But on the other side of that, you need to give God glory. 
Here's what that means. If we go to Michigan Adventures or we have a fun day or we go swimming or whatever, man, aren't you guys excited we got to do this? Isn't God good? Man, it's because God's blessed us so much we were able to go to this theme park. Do you see what I'm saying? You give the glory to God. Don't, it's not only just don't make him the heavy, give glory to God. Last point, how do we raise kids in troubling times? There could be 174 more points in, a, in another two-month series, but be engaged in your kid's life. Be engaged in their life. Participate in their interests. Get into their world. For some of you dads, this is what it's going to mean, the same thing it meant for me. You're going to have to give up some hobbies in order to keep interest with your kids. You're going to have to give up some of the things. Maybe it's temporarily until they graduate. Maybe it's temporarily just while they're young, depending on the hobby. Maybe for like me, like once or twice a year, I'll go hunting. But like, you know what my hobby is? I'm going to get home. I'm going to play with my kids. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to love on them. I've learned, God, make me a master of seasons because kids change seasons so quick. I want to get into it. When we started the church, for the first two years, Kaya and I were bivocational. I worked doing media and marketing work and, and commercials, and, and that was a full-time job. And then I had a full-time job doing this church. And there just wasn't a lot of money. And so when it came time for birthdays and Christmases, I made toys for my kids. And I tell you what, now that I can actually afford stuff, they close Toys R Us, A, but then B, now that I can afford it, I still make toys for my boys and girls. I'm going to tell you why. It's because I'm going to be a master of seasons. Right where they're at, that's where their dad's going to be. I'm going to be investing in their life and enjoy them. You know God gave you these kids to enjoy? I know it can be hard sometimes. I was in youth ministry for a long time, and I know some of you parents, you're going through it, and it is, it's nuts sometimes, the things that you face. I get it. But they are the great reward for your life. Psalm 127 and verse 3, Behold, why does the Bible say that to, to other people of God? It's saying, hey, Christian, open your eyes. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. Don't just go through years and a decade and it's all of a sudden like, man, they're graduating. I can't even believe it. That's going to happen anyway. Don't miss a moment of it. Be engaged and invested. Show your children affection. Well, I shook hands with my dad and I'm a man's man. I don't do that type of thing. Listen, sir, get off your high horse. You need affection and your kids desire it. They might even blow it off. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. They're doing that to please you. Show your kids affection, love on them. Write it down. Godly investment in family will yield joy that you cannot imagine. So in the past several months, my wife got the kids' version of the one-year Bible. And every night they're reading through, and it's not like 15-minute commitment. It's like a three- to five-minute commitment. And it's a great story at the end. It's pretty intense. I mean, they don't shy away from like what happens. It's pretty cool. Well, my son Aurelio, I told you he'll be six in, in this October. He loves the Bible character David. He loves him because he's a king. He loves him because David like cut a guy's head off. That escalated quickly. Aurelio loves that, okay? Killed him with a slingshot. He says, Dad, I have one. You know, I got you. So I'm your security force. All right. I'm, I'm in. It's 2021. We'll take what we can get, you know. And, and so he loves David. And so it came time in the one-year Bible for them to talk about when David sinned with Bathsheba. 
and uh, ultimately, he sinned by sending Bathsheba's husband out to the front line by de facto killing him. He killed, killed her husband. And Aurelia was distraught. I mean, you, you would have thought that we said that a certain holiday figure wasn't real. I mean, it was like that. What? And Kai had the opportunity to say, son, he failed. But he's a man after God's own heart. Right. Son, you're going to fail. You're going to mess up. I've messed up. Better not kill a guy, otherwise I'll see you through glass. But, you know, like, <laughs> God can still forgive you and love you, and he has a tomorrow for you. After all the junk that you do, you can still be a man after God's own heart. And so I'm in this season with my family where I've got, you know, five uh, years old and under, four kids with five years old and under, and it's just, it's a checks mix, but I've got them at different seasons, and I'm not telling you that I'm coming out with a book on parenting, but I'm telling you this, I'm taking the steps we decided, and it's not something that's impossible. I can prove that. Why would God put it in his word so you could learn it while you were single? This is an impossible things that you can learn while you're still single, so when you get married and have kids, you can parent in a godly way. Mercy and truth. Let not mercy and truth forsake you, and what will happen? They'll be your great joy in your life. One last scripture, and then I want to pray for us. Third John 1, I have no greater joy than this, than to hear of my children walking in the truth. That's God's plan for your family. Fight for your home. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for meeting us in this place on Pentecost Sunday. Thank you, God, for your presence moving through this room. Lord, I thank you that all of us, me included, are convicted by this message to make adjustments in the way that we raise our kids and train them towards you. I want to pray that you'd make it abundantly clear what we need to do. God, help those that have never had a godly example, or maybe their parents, they love them, but they just did the best they could. It wasn't everything that it could be. Lord, I pray for those young couples and couples that are trying to raise their kids with no example, that God, thy maker is thy husband, and that the Lord of the hosts is his name, that God, you would show them the godly example. Bring people into their lives that they can respect to show them a godly way. Show them in the word and through books and series what they can do to raise their kids in a godly way. Lord, I pray that you'd work on any stubborn heart in this room that would take issue with what I said, that they would be like the Bereans and go home and study the word of God for themselves to convince them of the truth. Lord, I pray for our young people. I pray for the next generation. Lord, this is what was prophesied in the book of Acts, a broken and fatherless generation. And so God, I pray for a spirit of the Father to rise up in our church. I pray that those moms that are trying to do this the best they can, that they would foster the best of their ability to be able to parent their kids with a steady hand like God would. Lord, I thank you that other fathers in this house would invest in other kids that don't have the luxury that their kids have. God, I pray that the fathers in the house would be true men of faith, square their shoulders back and leave their homes. Lord, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you are hearing about a God of love that has mercy and truth for you and you want to make a relationship with him, Jesus made a way where there was no way. He brokered that relationship. And if you call him Lord, you'll be saved. Here's what I want us to do. All of us in the room, let's pray this out loud together. Pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus 
to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your Holy Spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. The reason why we get excited and applaud for you is because we prayed that prayer at some point in our life, and that freedom that we're experiencing, it's for you today. Let us know about the prayer that you prayed, that you prayed that for the first time. You can do that the same way that our first-time visitors are letting us know, either online or with one of our connection cards, but we want to send you a note talking about next steps. If you brought somebody today and they accepted Christ, I give you permission. Get them and uh, have them fill out just those inf- a couple lines of information so they know what to do next in their walk with God. One more time, church, let's give it up. Loud and proud for those people. Louder than that, come on, somebody. Hey, stand up on your feet. Anybody getting anything out of FAQ? Can you just like give a little love to a pastor that like preached it hard today? That was a lot. (laughs) Here's why I do that. That is not like the greatest way to build a big old church, but it's going to build you. And I believe that that's the best way to build a solid church for Jesus. A couple of announcements before we leave. We're going to have New Chapel Connect. As you dismiss today, we're going to have lunch come in. So you, you can stay. If you've never been part of New Chapel Connect, today's your day. Uh, next week, everybody say next week. Uh, May 30th, we're doing our uh, Go Team Rally Point. So if you're part of our servant leader teams, that's uh, worship team, guest services, kids, and everything in between, stay. And we're going to be staying in this room. So your kids can stay back there. We'll bring pizza in. And we're going to be casting a little bit of vision for you. One of the things that we're going to be talking about is some late-breaking news. On July 4th, we're going to be having our Drive-In to Freedom event which is a drive-in church service. We're not going to have in-person services, two of them. We're going to have one 11 o'clock drive-in service. I think it's fun. I enjoyed the drive-in church that we had. Some of you are new to the church and you need to experience. It's going to be a riot. It's going to be great for those that are coming back from the lake. And so what we see is with like Sundays that are Independence Day, 4th of July, people are coming back in order to get back into the swing of things, hit church on the way. And the big news is that we have a special guest, Justin Barclay from Wood Radio, that's going to be here. I think that's pretty cool. Well, what's he going to be talking about? Jesus. That's what he's going to be talking about. He's going to preach Jesus. He's a preacher as well as a guy that's on the radio. So if you can handle Pastor Joe, I think that you can handle Justin Barclay. And I'm going to tell you something. He has an incredible message. I think it's going to be great. And also, I can't wait to get him on top of our church building, literally shouting it from the rooftops. And so pretty cool. Excited about that, gang? Mark that down. And uh, more information, we're going to have food trucks and inflatables, all kinds of fun, which is pretty cool because a lot of events are canceled because they're wimps. And so we're going to be having something fun. And you should invite everybody that you know. Also, next week will be the last part of FAQ, How to Survive Life's Worst Moments. I would really encourage you to bring somebody along. This isn't going to be a mopey message. If you know me, it's going to be a lot of fun, but we're going to take a journey together. Bring somebody with you. And now... May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace from generation to generation. And as you go, have a great weekend. I love you. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.